Hello and welcome to Cardscast, a brand new football podcast all about Woking Football Club. Through this podcast, you'll hear roundtable discussions, match previews and reviews, interviews, as well as us sharing our favourite memories of players, matches and seasons from the past. My name is Glenn Harrington and I'm joined as ever by Jacob Greenwood to talk all about the latest goings on at the club over the past week, including big news about potential American investors, as well as a review of our home game with FC Halifax Town, a preview of Saturday's match against local rivals Aldershot, plus a look back at some of our best and worst derby moments. But before we get into it, remember to like, share and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from. And before I throw over to Jacob for his thoughts, I'm pleased to say we're joined by a special guest this week, Rob Hemingway. Uh, Rob, thank you for joining us. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about your relationship with Woking Football Club? Yeah, pleasure. Thanks, guys. Uh, it's great to be on. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a journalist with the Woking News and Mail. Um, and uh, as a result, I, uh, I cover, cover Woking and I have done for about the past 18 months or so. Um, so, yeah, obviously got uh, a, a good knowledge I guess of, of the workings of the club from not just uh, the football side of things but also um, with, with the various members of the board and things like that and obviously showing a press box um, you know, gives you some insights into uh, not just what's going on there but also to your right in the director's box so uh, yeah looking forward to having a good chat about everything that's gone on it's been a, it's been a busy week. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's always a busy week in this football club, uh, it seems. Um, good stuff. Uh, and before we, we jump into this week's biggest talking point, I've got a couple of uh, quick fire questions for you, Rob, just to help ease you in. Um, and it'd be great, first of all, just to, to get your thoughts, I guess, on the season so far. Yeah, well, I think the, the two words I had were well, excellent and unexpected. Um, I, I don't think anyone, um, even the management, even though... Perhaps they'd say they weren't surprised. Um, I think I think it, no one really saw them getting up into you know really the, the very top echelons of the league this early. Um, obviously, there was the precedent of, of last year when they got out. You know, they flew out the blocks. But um, you know, this year is altogether different with you know a bit of a, a core from last season, but quite a small one. A lot of players left. Um, Including, you know, obviously the likes of Hyde and Diara. So I think for them to do this well is is testament to to how quickly Dallas has has gelled them into a, a Dallas team, um, and yeah, embed, sort of bedded in all the all the lone players to make what looks like a yeah a great collective so far, and there've been some really good performances. Yeah, definitely. And uh, who's who's stood out for you in particular so far on the playing side? Um, I think well, D- Dempsey certainly looked like he obviously he was at the club last year for a while but I think he he looks like he's come on quite a lot over the summer he looks a lot more uh, at home almost I, I don't know whether that's he certainly looks very fit so it, it seems to me that you know he's not really had to get up to speed he's just kind of there physically um, technically he's kind of biting into challenges I think um, uh, I think it was in I'm trying to remember which game it was, but I'm, you know, I remember seeing him just absolutely fly into a tackle when someone was clean through. Just kind of looks like he's getting up to speed with what non non league football is about. Um, not that it's all about that, but it is nonetheless, you know, critical at certain stages to kind of show that professionalism and things like that. So, so he's one, and then Sol Shotton would be the other one. I think um, 
Stouse told me last week um, that you know he'd been dying to get him for, for a while. He, he said he went to watch him against um, Villa 23s in September. He, you know, he managed to get him in, and he's done. Yeah, he's done really well. Him and Cook at the back, I think, look like um, they have played together for a long time. He just um, looks very comfortable, um, and yeah, hopefully, I guess for the for the club, they can keep him there as long as possible. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Jacob and I talked a little bit about Solshot and on the last episode and we kind of said that he'd gone under the radar ever so slightly so far and I think that's a testament to how uh, naturally he's he's slotted into that role and I think for a, a young player as he is he's he's done exceptionally well alongside uh, Jack Cook as you say um, and just a, on, a, on a final point then I guess uh, for the long season ahead but um, what are your I don't know if you can call it hopes, if you're whether you're a neutral or not, but your expectations, I guess, for, for waking over the coming year. Well, you just you just never know, do you? <clears throat> I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. I think you were at the at the outset. You know, I think you were just thinking that they're just going to try and stay in the league. But really, this this start has um, has made you think again. And when you think of all the the other factors in the league, you know, there's so many teams in transition. There's, you know, lots of teams are going to suffer injuries. Some already have. There's going to be COVID cases. Yeah, it's going to be very unpredictable. And I think the teams that are solid and that have a, a good core um, and that have a big enough squad will be the ones that cope. And and uh, yeah, I don't think there's going to be I don't think there's going to be any front runner uh, who sort of walks away with it. So I think it's going to be very tight as as it was last season between sort of places you know, sort of playoff places and down sort of 10th, 11th. So I know that they, they want to do better than last year when they finished 10th. So whether they can do that at the moment, it, it looks possible. Obviously, there's um, there's a long way to go though. But if I had to stick my neck on the line, I would say um, I would say top 10 and playoffs would be uh, would be brilliant if the, uh, the cards fall right. Excuse the pun. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Rob. Um, I'm sure there's lots of Woking fans who'd be very happy with that outcome. So uh, look forward to chatting with you a bit more over the course of the podcast. Sounds good. Um, but coming on to our first big talking point, and there's only one place to start, of course. Um, just to let uh, all the listeners into a little secret, we did always plan to record this episode today. Um, and I actually messaged Jacob on Monday evening, I think, to say that there wasn't actually that much to talk about off the back of a nil-nil draw. Um, and did he have any ideas for content? But I should have known that a week is a, an awful long time in football. So uh, here we are. Uh, breaking news on Tuesday afternoon about potential major investment in the club uh, by Final Third Sport, an American outfit led by veteran sport executives uh, John Katz and Drew Bolt, excuse the pronunciation of the surnames, um, who bring with them extensive experience working in baseball in the United States. Um, they're pictured at the ground with Douse and Rosemary. They've held up the scarf and it looks like after many false starts over the last few years that we could, I stress could, be looking at the start of something very positive uh, for the football club. Um, Jacob, uh, what were your thoughts on hearing the news? Yeah, it was really exciting, I think, wasn't it, to, uh, to see it all come through. I think probably the, the, the best thing about it is, and I think we might have talked about this kind of, I can't remember if it was on the podcast or off of the podcast when we were just kind of chewing the fat over stuff. But, you know, after the knockback in the, in the summer with the, the ground development, we were saying, you know, well, you know, even if we get through this season and, and we stay up, then, you know, what about next season? What about the season after that? There's no, 
you know, tangible future here. And I think a lot of that had been tied to, to the ground development. And obviously, that's not going to happen. Well, it might not. It might happen. We'll, we'll, I mean, we'll cover that in a second. But it doesn't look like it's going to happen after the kind of the, it got torn, torn apart of the planning committee. And we couldn't see a future for it. So to see something like this today, which admittedly came out of the blue, I think Rosemary's been quite coy on it because every time it's come up, she said, well, the focus at the moment is, you know, getting the club through the COVID times and, and you know we're not focusing on that at the moment and then all of a sudden out of the blue wham this this thing came across and yeah very exciting and as with all of these things I think when you read oh you know where there might be interest and you think well it sounds a bit far-fetched and I think we've all heard it loads of times before um but to actually see them at the ground um you know as you say holding the scarf up like a new signing really it does <laughs> feel um and actually i was just reading just before this on, on a slightly different statement to the one that was published on the website um a letter that, that john sent to the cards trust um and, and just picking apart it was slightly different but just picking a part out of that uh, that said uh, be rest assured uh, that drew and i are here to stay which is quite reassuring it's only words at this at this stage isn't it but it's quite nice to know that you know a minor setback that might knock it back by six months or something might not scare them off and and they disappear into the sunset and and it never happens so um yeah excited i guess cautious maybe but but i think (laughs) really excited about it what about yourself rob what did you make of it all yeah i mean i think it's a it's a very interesting time i mean i think uh, the club is one of those that does have a lot going for it. And I think that's probably why there has been quite a bit of interest in it before. I think the the interesting thing that struck me initially was obviously the, the, the release talks about, you know, there's, there's kind of numerous, um, you know, holes to jump through before this becomes confirmed, which there are. Um, and yet he's already sort of at the ground, um, as you say, holding a scarf and, and it all looks very official. So, I guess it just, you know, there's probably a little bit more that, that um, that's going to come out. But I think on the whole, um, you know, these things, are, these things are tricky because there's obviously a lot of American investors in, in um, British football. And you see that not just in the Premier League, but kind of elsewhere as well. And they look, you know, they, they look at a lot of different clubs from being involved with some of them before. Um, and they they then sort of select the right answer, but there's not. It doesn't mean that there's always a you know 100% hit rate. I mean, you can see that from from various other investments. And even if there is a hit rate and everything goes really well and is really successful, some people are still you know not happy that perhaps the club has lost their ethos or lost a particular way or doesn't um, isn't centered on the community. I don't think the noises from this are are that. I think it it looks like they've got their. Um, their hearts in the right place and their, their minds are on, on this club. So, yeah, it just depends on, you know, if it does go through, obviously, from the footballing side. I remember talking to, to Martin, Martin Tardo a while ago and he said that, you know, Dallas has never had a buck. So, I think it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how he, how he gets on with when he has a bit, a bit, more, a bit more disposable income, so to speak. <laughs> so, you know, it's been, it's been very hard for him at a succession of clubs to... To get by to sort of um, you know, work the loan market, bring people in. So I think it will be a big change for for the club and, and the ethos of the club, which has always been battle the odds, part time, you know, do our best. But now there's there's probably hopefully a, a better run for them to make a real go for the league, and um, I'm sure I'm sure they'll um, they'll be grateful for it. But it, it does change the way that the club 
work. So um, there'll be a lot of knock-on impact, uh, impacts um, beyond that as well. But um, yeah, certainly very interesting to see where it goes. Personally, I think I'm most looking forward to the announcement of Nathan Collier's new five-year contract. Um, <laughs> so that's one to tick off the list, please, Dallas. Um, now, I've had a, a couple of questions uh, sent in to me uh, from the listeners via social media, which I'd like to, to throw at you both, if I may. Um, first one is from uh, Sam Fisher around the failed stadium redevelopment, which was led by Wayne Gold and Gold Dev last year, um, and the ongoing appeal process, which the club have publicly stated that they don't endorse. Um, now, there appeared to be a bit of a caveat in our, our statement this afternoon. Um, I know Rob, you mentioned a couple of those hoops still to jump through. And one of those appeared to be that the deal uh, couldn't proceed until that appeal from Gold Dev was settled. Um, I know you said you've been involved kind of following the club for the last 18 months, part of your role at the, the News and Mail. Um, you've imagine been quite close to, to a lot of this uh, news breaking first with Gold Dev and, and now with the new American investors, what uh, what do you make of that that question and that that potential hurdle to, to, to get over? Yeah, I mean, it obviously depends on uh, a lot on the length of time for that for that appeal to take place. I think it also my my theory, I suppose, based on what I've seen so far from the um, from the new investors, would be that they're not in any rush. They're here for the long term, so I would suggest it doesn't matter. It, it won't matter if the appeal takes months rather than weeks, which I presume it will do just because that's how things work with the councils generally. <laughs> um, and I, I, yeah, I think it just, it, it's not the, I don't know how it will work out. I think, I think it sounds like the, um, there's going to be much more sort of communication between the parties um, over the next few weeks, which probably should have, and arguably, yeah, should have taken place beforehand. Um, on the first round of things, but obviously that is a good step, and uh, and there sounds to be a bit more of a sort of rapprochement between all of them about talking to each other, working to the right solution, which I do think everyone wants. I don't think anyone's standing there and being, you know, a mule and just saying no flatly. I think I think people do want to make things happen. They appreciate it. it'd be good for the community, but clearly there's some um, there's some absolute red flags in there that aren't for whatever reason not being addressed. So if they and obviously one of those is you know the high rise and the housing and all the rest of it. So you know they need to get that clear first and foremost. Otherwise, it's not great PR um, if the, another appeal goes through and, and things haven't changed materially or things just get knocked back at, at the same way that they did before. So yeah, remains to be seen. Um, but it sounds like the two processes are a little bit divergent. So the mm. the, the appeal you know whilst it needs to wait for it to go ahead i don't think they're in sort of cahoots or anything like that so um yeah we'll see uh, we'll see which path it takes in the end but um i think everyone does want a new stadium what about yourself uh, jacob i think we've, we've obviously kind of skirted around the subject of of gold dev on the podcast so far with the uh, kind of matters seem to be at a close i think by the time we we did our our first episode so interested just to i guess get your thoughts on kind of the the last six six months to a year, I guess, of everything that's happened off the pitch for Woking, if you can uh, sum it up in a couple of minutes for me. Yeah, it, it, was, it was really disappointing, I think, as we say, early summertime. I mean, it was kind of April, May time, wasn't it? That I think that the, the planning committee got together and rejected the bid. And, you know, I think there was a lot of people that were excited about it and, and saw it as a genuine 
way forward for the football club. Um, and nothing had really come up. I know, I know there was obviously a lot of noise from the South Woking Action Group and they were against it. And I guess you would be if it was going to be, you know, on your doorstep. Um, but, you know, I think we generally thought it had a good chance and that that could be the future of the club. Um, you know, there seemed to be some good people involved, some good companies, um, not just Goldev on, on their own. Um, but yeah, I mean, as soon as just sitting there listening to the uh, the planning committee tear apart the application, you know, giving so many reasons why it didn't hit gradings or, you know, all of these things, it just, everything just fell apart. And it felt pretty empty after that, actually. Um, it, you know, it just, it, you know, what next? It didn't seem like there was a plan B. So, so that was disappointing. And obviously that brings us forward to today, really, because um, I think the agreement, I think I'm right in saying if the ground gets given planning permission, so if it goes to appeal, obviously Goldev at the moment are looking to appeal it, although they've not formally submitted a bid. If they do, if they are successful in that, that, in that appeal, then they become the majority shareholder um, whilst they're building the stadium. Uh, it was announced earlier, you know, before it actually failed, that um, once, uh, you know, upon completion, then the shares would be, you know, either given to someone else or they'd go back to the Cards Trust. So that was quite a long process. And I'm starting to think now that possibly, um, you know, what we're hearing from the club in terms of we don't support an appeal is maybe because they, they want this this new bid um, just to go through. Because, you know, realistically, I don't think anyone's really in, in Goldev's corner. And I did see uh, a GoFundMe page, was it? Got, got put up by, by Wayne Gold. Just for... 1.4 million, wasn't it? I mean, that's just, that's just, I just insane. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, if you were going to pay that money and go into business with him, why would you do it via GoFundMe? I don't, it just doesn't make sense. Like I did nothing about it does, but um, you know. I did check this afternoon and they've not had uh, any donations yet. Unfortunately. <laughs> you can chip a fiver in here or there and see if you can get there, but it, it just, it just seems crazy. But um, yeah, I think, now now there seems to be something more tangible to focus on you know that that would be a lot better but there yeah there, there clearly are those issues there and um you know Wango you know clearly thought that you know he could probably make quite a lot of money off of the development and and, and give us a new stadium which seemed great but you know it, it just doesn't seem it just doesn't seem feasible now so hopefully you know we're not waiting because I hear you know as, as Rob was saying these things take months or I think because of the backlog, you know, it, you might even be looking at at least a year for that appeal to get heard and it's not even been submitted yet. So, you know, do we really want to be waiting until this time next year or even further, you know, to, to finally get a decision on that and and then move forward with, with the latest investors? And, you know, will they hang around that long? And I know they've said they will, but, you know, it's a long time to, to for that to drag on. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but yeah, it does throw a slight complexity into the issue, but they'll have known about this, won't they? I mean, they haven't just copped up overnight. They'll be well versed in this. So we'll have to wait and see uh, how, it, how it all pans out. But just brilliant, as I say, to I know we were kind of told it was all or nothing with this stadium. Well, you know, it might not be all or nothing. There might be a feasible plan B, which is which is good to see. Yeah, and I think... Um... As you, as you kind of say, the, these new American investors have made all the right noises in terms of saying that they're in it for the long haul and that they are um, prepared to wait for this appeal process potentially to play out, or not, not explicitly, but they've certainly alluded to that, that fact. But I think what will potentially still be worrying 
um, supporters at this stage. Um, and we've had a question on this from uh, Tom Law, amongst others, um, who's kind of pointed out the rather uh, inconsistent history of uh, success or a lack thereof from, from Woking over the last few years when dealing with potential investors. Um, this is obviously not the first time we've seen a, a news article kind of akin to this appear on the Woking website over the last decade. Um, but Jacob, as a, a long-standing Woking fan and sufferer, um, does this one feel different to you at this stage? Yeah, yeah, I think it does. Um, yeah, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of stuff that's kind of gone on. And I think the ones that have really made it to the website have kind of been uh, the, the Blackbridge. Was that, is, is, was that the correct name for them? I think it was saying, yeah. oh, you know, we're going to try and find investment. And so that was kind of exciting. But then, you know, ultimately, you know, what happened following that is it seemed that there were some investors, but it was all a little bit of smoke and mirrors. And obviously the story kind of got leaked. Uh, I think it, it was the possibly the Daily Mail, and I know the Sun covered it and it got covered in the local papers as well, you know, about South Korean investors that already had other clubs and they moneyball kind of, you know, players and, you know, it'd be great for youth prospects. And, and we were quite, we were never officially fed that. It was all kind of, you know, oh no, it's just rumours in, in the press. So, it, but it seemed like that's what the plan was and it obviously all fell through. Um, and then they kind of offloaded us and, and, and got, um, you know, Goldev involved and said, no, that was the plan all along. I don't think it was. Um, but yeah, we've had some strange ones over the years. And I think going back to Rob's point earlier, that's because there is so much potential at a club like Woking. Okay, the stadium and the facilities aren't there. But as I think they've said in that press release today, you know, it's, it's a big team in Surrey, you know, that you, you can't really ignore. And, you know, even when you look at last season, looking at the, um, you know, average attendances, we were, we were really up there with some clubs that are con considered huge. And funnily enough, actually, I've seen, um, I think Tim Howard, uh, the ex-goalkeeper that played in the Premier League is is um, a part of a consortium that owns Dagenham and Redbridge. Um, and Ryan Reynolds is, is part of one that, that wants to apparently go and buy Wrexham. So I guess when you're sitting there, like, we all go, well, why would you want to buy Wokit? But then actually this league, is it now starting to gain some kind of traction abroad? There's some big teams in there that, that you know, foreign football fans that, that kind of know their their onions, so to speak, would be like, oh, you know, I've heard of Wrexham, I've heard of Stockport, I've heard of, you know, they've seen teams, I guess, like Luton and, and stuff in there in the past. You know, is it now that, that it's being seen as a viable option for, you know, people that are really serious about this and, and not just chances that we might have seen in the past that are, you know, looking to come in in the short term? So it, it does seem a little bit more than that. I mean, fair play to the guys. They've, they've flown over from America in the middle of a pandemic to do a photo shoot. So, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing they're based over there full time. So, I mean, they must be quite serious. So that, and that's good. That's reassuring. Because uh, sometimes, yeah, I mean, if they hadn't come over and they, they weren't there. So to see the pictures of them, I think, at the ground was, you know, maybe it's a cheap PR stunt, but uh, it kind of warmed my heart a little bit that it might actually be the real deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess, uh, as you say, the, the National League is, is potentially where a lot of investors are looking now um, because, you know, if you want to own a Premier League club in this day and age, you probably also need to own a country. So um, this is the, uh, the level, I guess, for, for football investment um, at this country. Um, with, the, with the pandemic as well, I think it probably makes a lot of these clubs even better value than they were before. Um, yeah. And it's probably leveled the playing field a little bit too. So I think on top of all the advantages that Woking has, you know, near to London, near to airports, um, big catchment area, no real big clubs, you know, around it. 
Um, I think if you put all that on top of it, and yeah, as you say, the increasing PR of the league, um, yeah, seems to there are there are a lot of reasons why people would be interested. So turning from the impact off the pitch to the impact on it, uh, Jack Bullivan has asked about the prospect of the club presumably going full-time uh, and the impact that could have on the playing squad. Um, he particularly references the likes of Josh Casey as someone we might lose if such were, such a move were to happen. Um, Rob, where do you stand on the, I guess, full-time, part-time debate? Yeah, I, I, won't, I won't talk for Josh, uh, but he did pretty much tell me before that, you know, if it was to go full time he there's no way he'd want to be missing out on it. So I'm <laughs> um I'm I'm confident you know, obviously there's there's beyond him, there's there's like, you know, Cook and, you know, a few others who obviously have other jobs. Um but I think that, you know, depending on individual circumstance, I'm sure if if Woking were to get well, either were they to go full time in this league or whether they got promoted I'm sure a lot of them would want to make sure that their sort of years of, of toil at the lower leagues weren't weren't for nothing, and that you know this would be a moment of a lifetime for them. I'm sure. So, um, and then I think you know obviously there is that risk of, of losing players who are happy to to play part time. But then equally, if you look at the players that working have lost through being part time, like Jake Hyde last summer, for example, who who left because he wanted to be full time, then. You know, things will even itself out, and I think obviously the club being full time will attract more players, just because you know, obviously the, because they're full time, the club will be able to pay a bit better and remunerate a bit better, and players will be able to dedicate a bit more of themselves to it. Um, so I think the pluses will will outweigh the the minuses, and I think um, I think the core of that squad would would still stay, and I think it would. This club has been waiting to turn full time for what seems like a an age. Um, I've, I've not been covering it for a long, long time, but certainly in the time I have, it, it feels like that's been the um, what people have been waiting for. So um, let's hope it can happen. Yeah, definitely. And I, I guess looking back, probably what ten ten plus years now, Jacob, since we were last full time, and and obviously we've experimented with some different, you know, full time model. I think it was dubbed under. Anthony Lembrick a few years ago as well, um, but I think you know Rob's Rob's right that that hopefully the the positives would outweigh the negatives. But but interested to get your thoughts on whether you agree. Yeah, in the past it hasn't really, has it? I guess which has been a bit of a problem. And I think there was a general consensus that year where we did get relegated, where we started off with Lembrick. We had the worst of the full time players. And now we've got the best of the part-time players. And that's always an interesting way to look at it. Um, and I think a team like Aldershot, you know, just because I think we know more about them than any other kind of you know club because they're local at this level, I think are on the other side of that fence and, and have signed, you know, the cheeky candies of the world and, you know, players like that and, and, and gone for, you know, we're full-time and whereas we're part-time. So it's, it's finding that balance. But I, yeah, I think possibly before when we've done it, we've not really benefited from it. I think in the Cochrane era, um, there was a lot of money ploughed in and we, we weren't really that successful, um, which, which would have been a frustration. And I think that's why it's really important that Dowse is a key part of this. And it was really great to see him there today, a part of the, pictures and, and he obviously he had a quote which was hilariously doubted if you haven't already seen it in the in the press release itself um you're gonna do an impression for us 
<laughs> I think his words, and I'm not going to do an impression, but his words were, it's great to see these blokes here or something. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, okay, they've not made that quote up. He literally said that. And, you know, it's, it's good to see that they've, they, they've brought into that as well because I think you would need that. You couldn't just, you know, create a brand new team with a brand new manager and, you know, change everything and just be like, oh, well, that'll be success then because we've seen so many teams uh, not fail doing that, but certainly not succeed doing that. You know, teams like Filed, I'm sure, were full time, you know, with all the big names and they got relegated from this league. So it, it'll be really important to retain someone like Dowson and, and see what he can do with a with a full time team because I, I don't think he's had one before. Um, so it'd be really interesting to see, uh, you know, what he can do. But I'm sure he'll be absolutely relishing the chance to to oversee that. I guess from uh, Dowse's perspective, he's always been full-time. It'll just be uh, nice that he might get a full-time salary to go with his uh, many, many extra hours that he puts in behind the scenes. Yeah, and, and sleeping on the sofa in his office like he always likes to <laughs> likes to tell people. Yeah, There's no one that puts in more hours, is there, at the moment? So, you know, it's, it's good to see people like that included with it because, you know, you can only imagine if, if he hadn't been involved in these discussions or even known about it and it was like, oh, you know, you know, similar to, I think that's what happened, you know, at the end of Gary's era, um, you know, a really good servant to the club, you know, a massive fan favourite, really succeeded and took us from, you know, the, the conference, you know, the middle of the conference south, really up into the, the, the National League. And, and we, you know, I know in the, last, the, the final few years under him, we fought it a bit, but it, you could kind of feel there was that, that was, there was that frustration between him and the club in that final season towards the end, because they were kind of moving towards wanting to do you know, dress the club up for investors by getting Limbrick and, you know, all of these things. Um, and he was kind of pushed out. And that was a really sad story. And, and looking back, it was it was sad. It kind of ended in that way. Um, so it's, it's great that Dallas is a part of this from the start, I think. Well, I'm sure we could talk about this for quite some time. Um, but I think we're, we're all in agreement that there's, there's more than a little reason to be uh, quietly optimistic about what this means for the club um, in, the, in the months and, and years ahead. Um, uh, I tried to think of a good segue for this that wasn't and now to the boring stuff. Um, but now to the boring stuff. Uh, and it'll, it'll draw in Halifax on Saturday. Um, any thoughts, Jacob? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, there's, there's not too much you can say, but Halifax is a really good side. I think I would definitely say that. Obviously, probably not a massive surprise as they got in the playoffs last season and they've added to their squad in, in the summer. They probably looked a little bit light up front, but I think, um, you know, obviously Hyde came on late for his debut and, you know, if he can stay fit and play games this season, I think... I think they had yeah. another striker missing as well, didn't they, I read? I think they, both their first two choice strikers, Hyde and another player, were both missing. Yeah, so you, I think you could probably tell that from the game, couldn't you? They look relatively comfortable, but there wasn't much going forward. The same could probably be said about us. Um, but yeah, I think it was probably a point earned as opposed to two dropped. Um, I think it was right. I can't remember who did the interview. I think it might have been Ian Dyer after the game saying, you know, there's not going to be too many teams that are, that are beating Halifax this season. Not to say they're going to run away with the league, but they certainly look like they're going to be up there. So yeah, a point gain for me. Rob, uh, in agreement for you? Yeah, I thought it was interesting, your point, Ben, you, um, about the strikers, because I think Dag and Red, they were down to their third-choice striker by, I think, half an hour. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Halifax were missing, uh, well, Haye was on the bench, and then they had yeah, a couple of other absentees. Um, Chesterfield, obviously, were lost, but I think they were missing um, a, couple of, a couple of their strikers as well. So it's, 
it's interesting to see Tony already. Tony missing Rooney as well, weren't they? On the yeah, so, so in some ways, um, you know, you, you, that's what one, that's the dynamic of injuries and maybe pre-season things cropping up already. And also you could argue that, um, you know, Woking have been a touch fortunate to, to maybe not have those star strikers against them. But that's not to say that their defending wasn't, wasn't terrific against what they were up against, which is, um, which is all you can do. I thought um, I thought it was a really interesting battle between uh, Spazolf and Clark. Um, I don't know how much you sort of got of that from the stream, um, but he, he, <laughs> he's a, you know he's a classic skillful young, um, you know, eighteen year old who's sort of quite fresh and 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 willing, and then Clark is your archetypal sort of. Just you couldn't. I think if you if you were to write down the dictionary non-league centre back, I think he would be right <laughs> at the top of it for every single throw down the line. He was just shouting, "Head it, head it, head it!" It was almost like on repeat. Um, it was quite amusing, and to see sort of that that's probably going to be a recurring dynamic for however long Spazzle's at the club. I think he's a looks really he looks a really good player, but it's just can he can he avoid getting muscled off the ball and pushed around by these big lads or can he sort of shrewdly get in the channels a little bit more where he can run at them rather with, than with his back to goal because um, I think he looked a lot more dangerous when he was facing the goal rather than with his back to goal and I think he you know he's obviously not a hide who can sort of a, a bit of a penalty box poacher but what he can do is this dribble and he can finish when he gets the chance. I think with with Napa, obviously, who he knows well from Oxford alongside him, who I think they missed, by the way, against Halifax. I thought Goddard was good, but I didn't think he had quite the the dynamism and pace um, down the left of, of Napa. So I gather he's he's coming back for Saturday. So I think, um, yeah, interested to see how they keep developing. That's, uh, that's good news. Thank you for the breaking news there. Um, <laughs> I think... Uh, Clark probably, as you say, in the dictionary, right next to a picture of uh, Steve McNulty. Um, it's a similar, similar sort of player. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, you mentioned Spazov there. We've had um, a couple of good chats about him um, on previous podcasts, and I, I, I do agree. I think a, a very promising, um, albeit still quite raw, young player. But I think it, if you were to be perhaps ultra critical of the start of the season that Woking have made uh, and there's obviously there's not too many negatives to take um, you know 10 points out of 15 sitting fourth in the league couldn't have really wished for for much better um, but two goals from open play in five games including one that you know the Dagnum keeper threw in his own net basically um, is there is there any cause for for concern there you'd say Rob? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think I would sympathise with with Dowson and um, and the players for you know a short preseason and one where they were really just focused on getting enough players in. To be honest, um, and I think what Dowson has done you know sensibly is to to focus on the core bases really. So you know, make them hard to beat, um, get good at set pieces, have a bit of a, th- a threat from wide areas, but. I think it's it's probably very difficult for them to have done much in the in the few training sessions they've had because obviously they've had Tuesday games as well. Um, it's probably very difficult for them to work on sort of attacking phase play and things like that. So I think that would probably cut. And also, I suppose you know, as I say, they've lost the goals of Hyde, who we probably would have put away, you know, maybe a couple of chances so far. And you know, they had a lot against um, Chesterfield and also. 
Um, yeah, the, the threat of Diara, obviously that comes largely from set pieces, but he is a bit of a nuisance in the box, or was a bit of a nuisance in the box anyway. So I think they're just going to work their way towards um, being a bit more of a threat in open play, but I think for the moment they look you know, very, very threatening from set pieces with Cooper on one side and Case on the other. So I would imagine that you know, that will get them through until they're perhaps a bit more cohesive. Good stuff. Um, and, and Jacob, anyone else uh, stand out for you on Saturday that you'd like to give a mention? No, I, I, I think it's just, it was just a really solid performance, I think. Just again, looking at that back line, uh, you know, Shotton and Cook. Shotton actually got forward on one occasion and I thought he, he might be scoring a goal with his foot, which was, uh, which was quite exciting. <laughs> but yeah, again, I, I don't think we would cause, you know, too many problems at the back, which was, you know, again, testament to... Uh, you know, that, that back line, which obviously we, we've been talking about quite a bit. So, um, yeah, it, it, it might be a case of doing slightly more going forwards. And that was the only thing as well is, you know, obviously with Spazov. And then when you bring Sa- um I've completely forgotten that. Connor Hall. Connor Hall. Um, that's who. He's hardly played, so I've forgotten his name. But when he, you know, when he comes on, it, it, yeah. It's kind of a, a similar story, really. A player that will chase around and, you know, but he's not going to win anything in the air. And, you know, he, he just doesn't look like he's he's really been in it for the, for the first few games. I think we, we discussed last week. So, again, that was another player that kind of came on that you thought, you know, it'd be nice to just have something different up there. And that's where I think, you know, possibly signing a, a big man in inverted commas, if we're putting all these balls into the box, you're bringing Jarvis on quite late. And we know the balls that Cooper can put in. Casey can put a good delivery in, you know, are we missing a trick there? Um, and I, I think we might be, but because uh, even if we call wear him up, I mean, he's similar to the, the two players we just discussed, really. Um, mm. So it'd just be interesting to see just how we can, you know, fi- fix that. It's not really a problem, but it, it's just an area for, for improvement, maybe. Yeah. Um, and I think just one other player, I think, to, to give a mention for Saturday was Craig Gross. Um, very quiet or, or sort of... Happily quiet over the first few games, kind of the last 10 minutes against Chesterfield aside. Um, but I thought he had a very good game again on Saturday and, and kind of reminded us all as to just why he won all those awards at the end of last season. And, and Rob, I know you, you spoke to Craig last week. If you give us a bit of an insight into the maybe what you, you had a chat with him about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I thought he looked, looked terrific. Um, just so secure in the air, when to punch, when to catch. Um, was very solid on on the, the saves that he did have to make. Um, yeah, we were chatting quite a lot about his mindset, which I thought was really interesting. Um, he said he'd been been working with a um, someone, a mindset coach, who I think works with a lot of a lot of top footballers. Um, you know, real testament to sort of his quest for self improvement at the age of, of thirty. Um, still, still trying to to find those little benefits to his game. Um, and I think he was talking, you know, mainly about kind of how to, con- you know, how to improve his concentration um, sort of off the pitch and then sort of how that filters onto on the pitch as well, which obviously is very key for a goalkeeper, you know, because he's got all the, the technical attributes, but concentration and relaxation before a game and all that sort of stuff is, is very important. And I suppose it's probably even more important now without fans working out ways of keeping yourself sort of you know, a bit pumped up or a bit connected to the action. Um, and yeah, he, yeah, it's obviously um, you know, reaping dividends for him at the moment with three clean sheets out of five. 
definitely. Um, speaking as a former goalkeeper, obviously missed a trick there in my my training. It's why I didn't reach the next level, sadly. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, Rob, where can uh, where can people find that that interview if uh, if they'd like to read it? Um, so it'll be it'll be in the the Woking News and Mail, which is a um, a weekly print edition for anyone that that doesn't know. Um, obviously, we're yeah, I guess getting to shops a bit less regularly than than before, but um, we do offer a, a delivery service as well, and some of the interviews can be found on our website as well. Brilliant. Um, and then, if we we turn our attention finally then to to next weekend and what could have been, I guess a a, a nice comfortable FA Cup qualifying round against a, a team from a lower division, maybe an opportunity. I think we were talking last time, Jacob, as a a chance maybe to, to bed some of those players that haven't had that many opportunities this season. You know, your Tyler Reid, your Sam Cartwrights on a haul. Um, but now we're in a local derby and it's it's going to be the strongest possible eleven to put out, I imagine. Um, Jacob, what was your, your immediate reaction to that draw? I, I, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't too happy just because there's so many memories of us not winning against all these shots. So, um, you know, it was a shame we didn't play the, at the end of last season when we were in a bit of form. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, it would be a good tie. The only thing is it would be a good money spinner for the clubs, um, if you can say that in this day and age, because I think they have to split the streaming uh, uh, profits 50-50. So um, that would be, you know, again, that's something we, we wouldn't have got if we were playing someone, you know, where hardly any fans tuned in. So that would be quite nice. I think the one thing that does concern me about it that I hadn't actually really considered until I watched an interview with Ian Dyer after the game uh, against Halifax. He was saying that it wouldn't be the same 11 that played against Aldershot, mainly because not all of the lone players will be able to play. He didn't name any names, but um, that struck me as a bit of a concern when you look through some of the players that have been most impressive so far this season. You know, mm. Shotton, Dempsey, Spazov, Napper. I, I, he didn't say that all of these players would be out, but even thought of some of them being out did strike me, um, not with a bit of fear, but it, it was just like, oh, crikey, we might have to really shake things up. So um, that might make it an even trickier game than, than we thought it might be. Yeah, I think definitely that that centre-back position would be the one that would would worry me the most if uh, if we were to be without Shotton potentially um Gehring still obviously on the on the injured list so you're kind of scratching around a little bit to to figure out who's going to come in and fill that gap um Rob what were your your initial thoughts on the draw only a I guess a second working order shot derby for you covering the club um yeah it's interesting I've, I've not been to an away one uh Obviously, last year's was, I think, maybe the a week or two after all the restrictions came in. So, so yeah, looking forward to it. Obviously, no fans is, is really disappointing. It is really disappointing. We can't get away from that. Um, it's sort of the key fixture that, that people look for, um, for both clubs. Um, but no, I think it's, um, it's, it's a, I was, I was surprised how, how poorly Woking have, uh, fared in, in the, the derbies over the last, I think, the last 21 fixtures between the sides of only one four times which is don't rub it in <laughs> you know well it was just it was more just a I found that very curious I mean obviously it's got it's all different players and different regimes so you know no one's really no one's been there or no one's overseen sort of 10 defeats or whatever but it's just interesting how um how few times they've managed to get the better of them whether you know what that's been down to um has obviously varied each time but 
Um, certainly last year, I don't really think there's much store in, in the, the game that was played at, at Kingfield. I think it came very early in the season. Um, it was a very tight game. I think it was just a sort of chance error where where Barkley Adjapong just got in over the top and, and scored. I don't think there was really too much in it. So I don't know. And, and I talked to Max Gretschmar this week, um, and he was, you know, he was saying that he. I think that they are looking to right some wrongs, I think was the, the words he used. I think um he said the WhatsApp group had, had been buzzing and that the, you know they're really up for this game. So it does obviously depend on a bit on personnel. As as you said, Jacob, uh, I think Dow said he was gonna basically spend most of Monday and Tuesday just <laughs> trying to bend the ear of various clubs to to get as many players as he can um available. So so we'll see how that turns out. But um yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. I think um, one other dynamic I thought was quite interesting was that Toby Eds has gone gone to all the shot now, um, who was obviously working on a couple of occasions. So I think there might be a bit of spice maybe in the midfield area. Don't remind Jacob about where Toby Eds is playing his football this season. <laughs> uh, I knew you'd be on top of it. Next week's <laughs> podcast will be all about Toby Edser scoring a hat-trick against us, no doubt, and how I've been proved right that we should have signed him. Um, yeah. but, and yeah, my tweet it, about Ross McCormack will come back to haunt me as well, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> it, it will happen. Interesting, interesting, though, isn't it? I think when you look at... Because obviously we've got Dempsey in on loan, you know, a relatively good loan as well, actually, because I know it runs till, you know, kind of the first couple of weeks of January. Um, that was kind of the position that Edson used to play. So... Um, Interesting, because I, I think Aldershot will benefit from signing Edsa. Because I, I, I think he's a good player, um, even if not everyone agrees with me. But uh, but then <laughs> that position as well. You know, I think that, that we've done. I think if you said to a lot of fans, would you rather have Edsa or Dempsey there? They they probably would have said Dempsey. Um, doesn't mean it's the you know that that we're going to win on Saturday. But I think it you know it shows that we're not really missing a player there. Let's just hope that Charlton let him play. And I guess that's a, that's another point about this kind of thing about. You know, you know, Dow's trying to get the sign off for some of these players. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, which of these players would actually feasibly play for their team in the FA Cup. You know, should it come around? I guess the Oxford ones. I mean, they play for the in the under 23s, and I know they've played in in some of the um, league trophy kind of games. But it doesn't seem that they would kind of be starting in an FA Cup tie. You know, mm. even if they were playing a team from quite a few a couple of divisions below maybe so um you know shot and I, I mean i don't think he's going to start for west brom so i can't see any um problems there because obviously they would go in at the third round as well so that would seem you know miles kind of ahead of where he's at so yeah i mean i just kind of looked across the board and thought well i can't really see many managers you know really turning it down unless they, they're looking to sell the players I, I don't know but even again it's in january when when it's almost the third round and it seems mm. like a lot of those teams might not even be in the competition anymore or they wouldn't be selling a player to teams that are, are still in the competition. So it, it just didn't make any sense, really, that any players would be rolled out. So um, hopefully we can we can go there with a full squad. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if either of you have seen anything of, of Aldershot this season. I know we mentioned Edsa, who I think has been on the bench the last couple of games, I think I'm right in saying. Um, reference McCormack there as well. He's obviously there. One of their big additions this summer, still being eased in after a, a long time out. But um, have either of you, I guess, got any thoughts on on Aldershot's kind of early season form and a big win over a, a struggling Dover side um, and a, a decent draw with with Eastley at the weekend? They look like they might be a, 
maybe a slightly stronger proposition than they might have been, say, sort of six months ago. Yeah, I think um, that that draw that was a good draw against Eastleigh. Um, you know, who who you know a relatively strong side. You know, away from home, those kind of things. The win against Dover, yeah, I mean, Dover seem to be in all sorts of trouble, don't they, this season? So it's hard to judge from that. And yeah, I think they they missed a game because I think that they were meant to be playing Macclesfield, and then they um, opened up against Hartlepool. You know, a two-one defeat, which was kind of a last-minute goal as well. Um, so again, quite a tight one. So not much. Yeah, not not a great deal. We can we can tell from it, I guess, but. Um, you know, they say, you know, form goes out the window and all of these things. But, um, you know, it certainly looks like they, they, they've got, um, you know, a decent side together. And I don't think this season they're going to be worrying about relegation, uh, mainly because no. you said, uh, I think it was last week, about, you know, so many poor teams being down there this season, the newly promoted sides that haven't been able to add to their squads and teams like Dover that have lost a lot of their assets. Like, an Aldershot, you know, that, that is actually, you know, a, a pretty decent side. Um also, actually, just to know, I, I, Tanner, I think, is one of the players who's got a few goals already this season um, and was one that kind of lured McCormack down to down to sign for all the shots. So, um, yeah, the, the threat there going forward. Um, so we'll just have to have to keep an eye out. But, yeah, I should think, you know, they'll, they'll be comfortable this season and, and uh, hopefully, you know, we can win at least one of the three games we're going to play against. <laughs> Uh, and Rob, just to, from, from yourself, I guess, uh, as you say, only the, the sort of the one game early last season um, that you've seen of, uh, between these two teams. But what were your, I guess, initial impressions from that experience as to what this derby means to the, the two sets of fans? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, it, was, it was quite an experience, particularly, um, yeah, t- towards the... Uh, Sort of where the where the away fans were um, baying towards the Kingfield Road end, which is um, yeah, I think certainly the the most packed I, I saw it last season. Um, I think it's I think it's an interesting one because they're not um, obviously Searle's been there been there a while now, so that you know both sides have got consistency of management, which I think is a big thing at this level. All the shot, yes, they beat Working last year. As I said, it was quite a bitty performance, and actually Working ended up finishing above them I think quite comfortably and generally had you know much the better season so I don't know mentally will that make any difference for this for this um, game um, possibly not I think obviously there have been you know a lot of a lot of squad changes a lot of people perhaps aren't aware of, of how big the rivalry is um, it's just going to be an interesting one I think it will show both clubs probably where they're at in a, in a big high intensity fixture it will test everyone's fitness. Um, it will test. It will probably show to Dallas and and you know their manager sort of how have they got the the mentality of their players right? Is is the composition of their squad right? And I wouldn't be surprised if there was a a heavy defeat for either side. You know that might that might provoke a few changes um, to personnel. But yeah, I think it will be an even game. And um, you know, if I had to stick my neck out, I'd, I'd from what I've seen of Woking so far, um, they look like they're, they're confident and capable against anyone. Well, yeah, you're getting ahead of uh, ahead of yourself there. <laughs> Sorry, or, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, come, we'll come on to the predictions in a second. Uh, you, you've kind of hinted at score, which way you're uh, yeah. which way you're going. So I'll come to I'll come to Jacob first because I do this to him every week, and he always forgets I'm going to, and he always puts his head in his hands trying to think about it. Um, Jacob. Uh, score prediction from from you um, in the knowledge that 
um, whatever it is, I will stick it on Twitter so that my McCormack tweet uh, disappears. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I think as Rob pointed out, that the, the record against them, you know, not even in recent times, just in, in times, <laughs> just isn't, isn't great. And interestingly, um, two of those wins came within the same week when we beat them uh, over Christmas and New yeah. Year in 2015-16 so when you when you take those two wins out of it it's last like two wins you know across a lot of the rest of the time so um yeah so forgive me if I'm if I'm more negative than than I am on on some games but I think I'll go for 1-1 one, one, and then I think we'll lose on penalties because this is Woking FC and this is how things go am I right in saying that it, it's a case of straight to penalties yeah that's correct yeah okay well I think uh we're, we're setting a bit of a tradition of, of being along the, the sun, same line of thinking, because I was going to go penalties as well, but I was going to say that we were going to win. Um, uh, I'm fine. sure we have, we have won a penalty shootout before, haven't we? I'm sure I've seen one. I know we've not got the best record. But... Cool. Well, there's a question, isn't there? Uh, no, I, I think we beat Forest Green Rovers in maybe the Satanta Shield one. or something. Uh, yeah, that in, glorious in competition. Shootout. But then all the shot. That's possibly the same year that Aldershot then beat us at the wreck on penalties in the Satanta Shield. Uh, so I don't know how that... My last memory of up. Woking penalty shootout was against Brighton where we missed all of them. And the less said about that one, the better. So on a, a, a hopefully a slightly more positive note, uh, Rob, over to you. Um, I think it will be 2-1 to Woking. There you go. We'll hold you to that. <laughs> Fingers <laughs> crossed. Um, great. So uh, uh, just a, a last um, point for us to, to reflect on before we finish. Um, and Rob, I won't ask you what your favourite Waking versus Aldershot memory is because you've not seen many happy ones from a, a Waking perspective as yet. Hopefully there will be a, a couple more to come um, in the near future. But the floor is yours, I guess, to just reflect on well, there's not many to pick from, but um, maybe the uh, the double header, I guess, that you mentioned there over the that Christmas. Yeah, so the yeah the double header was good, but it isn't actually up there. I I struggle with those games a little bit because they're over Christmas and New Year. I think you often find there's a, there's a lot of kind of random people that turn up um, that don't really go to Woking very often at all, and they're just a bit going, you know, oh, we just want to get out of the house around Christmas, and it doesn't really seem to mean much in the crowd sometimes around Christmas and New Year. But I think that those uh, games that are outside of that period are good and, and you'll have seen that last season as Rob was saying you know with the feisty atmosphere that we had on the Tuesday night right at the start of the season um, so mine would actually be 2014 when we played them away I think you know within the first month of the season or the month or two of the season Giuseppe Sol's goal for, for the 1-0 win just because it was you know it just felt like everyone there in the away end that night was you know an actual proper Woking fan that was you know really up for the derby and it wasn't just you know oh you know well we've got a couple of hours free on Boxing Day. Should we just go and watch a game? Yeah, let's just stand in the away end and it doesn't really matter. And uh, Yeah, I think there were a lot crazier scenes that night than there were kind of when we beat them, I think, the, the, the year later um, for that game. So, yeah, I would go go for that one. I guess one of the, one of the fond ones was when we won 2-0 at home, the year that Aldershot were, had to wear our away kit in, in the guy game on Sky and, and Soul scored. So, uh, but I was, you know, a young teenager then and I don't think I'd been... Uh, kind of ground into the dirt with so many Aldershot wins against us by that stage. So, uh, yeah, 2014, Giuseppe Sol. 
There was a screamer of a goal as well, wasn't it, if I remember rightly? Yeah, they were fuming with their goalkeeper, and I think he probably would be because he was a long way out and it was a free kick, and I think he kind of got a hand to it and it still kind of went in. Uh, it was very kind of Kepa-esque for any people that are kind of watching Premier League football at the moment, just kind of pushing the ball in. Uh, but yeah, it was a great strike. And uh, I want to say, I can't remember who was in goal, but they went off early and Andy Little then was like in goal for like 80 minutes and kept a clean sheet. And it was, you know, he was, he was you know, quite old at the time. And it was just, every, everything seemed to go in our favour that, that night. So it was, uh, yeah, a real good one. Well, I hope uh, Charlie Cooper has been watching some YouTube videos of Giuseppe sell free kicks to uh, get some inspiration ahead of Saturday. But um, you can let us know uh, your thoughts on all of the news that's broken um, over the last day or so with the American investment, your thoughts on the Halifax game and your predictions for the Aldershot match uh, coming up this weekend. You can let us know on Twitter. Um, Rob, first of all, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, I'm, I think I'm just under my own name, so at Rob underscore Hemingway. I think the memory is, is my uh, is my official name. So yeah, looking forward to kind of hearing from anyone and um, yeah, keeping keeping abreast of everything that's going on at the club. Brilliant, and thanks again for for joining us tonight, uh, Jacob. What about yourself? Pleasure. Uh, yep, yeah, you can find me on Everything Woke NFC, which is just at Everything WFC, uh, and then my personal account is J Greenwood ninety one. And you can find me at Glen H twelve ninety two. But for now, thank you very much, everyone, for listening, and we will see you soon. Mm-hmm.